This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is America on the Road, named Best Radio Show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 30th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. I'm Jack Red. With me is guest co-host Matt DiLorenzo. Matt, so good to see you as always. Great to be here again, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Love to have you on the show. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about here, Matt. I mean, if you get in an accident these days, you might want to smile because you could be on candid camera. We'll tell you why coming up. Of course, the results of the Super Bowl car commercials are in, and we'll tell you which were the winners and which were the losers. It was a game, so there got to be winners and losers, right? And we'll, we'll have an interview with a car company executive very close to that action. Well, a lot to talk about, right, Matt? Yes, there is. And then uh, when we talk about the cars review, you mentioned Mazda. I, I'm going to have the um, CX-90 uh, plug-in hybrid to talk about. And again, that's another sort of departure from uh, Mazda technology for them. <laughs> exactly. We'll talk we, about that. Yeah. Um, of course, as I mentioned, I'm Jack Nierad. With me is Matt Lorenzo, who is, of course, uh, the author of a, a terrific book, uh, How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, A Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership. So thanks for being with us and uh, sharing your expertise. Well, let's do a little business here. Uh, America on the Road is brought to you by drivingtoday.com, yourtestdriver.com, emlancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and, of course, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at drivingtoday.com slash autoinsurance. That's drivingtoday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. Well, as I mentioned, Matt is the author of How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, A Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership, a car expert par excellence. We both journeyed to Chicago recently for the Chicago Auto Show, got got together there for for at least a few moments to say hello to each other. And uh, we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and uh, how to save some money on your car, on vehicles. You mentioned the vehicle you're going to be testing, the Mazda CX-90. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it's a three-row SUV and and uh, very comfortable, very roomy. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I'll be road testing the uh, 2024 Volvo V90 Cross Country. It had the new B6, relatively new B6 uh, powertrain. It's an all-wheel drive version. I had a chance to drive it during Super Bowl week when I also got the chance to um, see one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time, Matt. I saw Marshall Crenshaw. I don't know if you know who Marshall Crenshaw is. Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, very cool. I got to see him live and in concert uh, in the Alex Theater in Glendale, so that was cool. Totally unapropos the car show, but uh, something I enjoyed. As I mentioned, our special guest is Russell Wager, Vice President of Marketing for Kia America. He was just honored as Media Post 2023 Automotive Marketer of the Year, so (laughs) big guy. Great to get that interview with him. I had a chance to sit down with him at the Chicago Auto Show to discuss where Kia has been, where it's going, and uh, he's helping shepherd them along. I think you'll enjoy our conversation there. And 
Let's talk about the news. Uh, we talked about what might happen if you're in an accident these days, uh, that you should smile because you could be on candid camera. And the way we're saying that is, or the reason we're saying that is um, dash cams. I mean, they're just going uh, great guns in terms of popularity. I think a, a recent study said one third of car buyers want one in their next car. What's, what's your take on that, Matt? I think it's uh, one of those things that in this day of accidents and attorneys and litigation it's a good defense to have you know this shows actually what happened uh when you're in an accident or or you know uh and in the somebody... aftermath for that matter right <laughs> oh, yeah exactly i mean speaking of dash can, this morning i was fascinated there was a private jet that crashed on a highway in florida and this dash cam caught the whole thing you saw the plane trying to land on the highway and then you know it, it was not did not end well, but a lot of cars have them, you know, and, and I think more and more people um, are, are, are taking the, the uh, stance that, you know, I, I got to have a record of whatever's going on in front of me. Yeah, it really documents things. I mean, I, I think they first kind of gained prominence when people were uh, kind of documenting off-roading and, and that kind of thing, kind, mm -hmm. kind of taking home movies with them uh, and maybe doing some... Uh, you know, fast and furious kind of drive, <laughs> driving sure. and, and and recording those. But just in terms of everyday people doing everyday things, I mean, you never know when you might get into a fender bender or some kind of accident. Right. And, and having that uh, documentation about what happened, uh, sadly, I think some are ca capturing road rage incidents too. Sure. And uh, you want to have that footage, I think, to, to prove that you were in the right because you probably were. I think it's a natural extension of a lot of this stuff, you know, all these ring cameras, um, porch cameras. Well, there are cameras everywhere now. They're so cheap and everything's networked and, you know, saved online. Um, it's just a, kind of a uh, indication of where we are as a society. Right. I mean, days. you know uh, that I follow crime a bit and write about true crime and, and write about crime. And uh, certainly a lot of crimes are being solved these days or partially solved. A lot of evidence comes from these various cameras, ring cameras sure. uh, in, in people's uh, front doors and, uh, you know, just uh, dash cams and all that kind of stuff. Some, some car companies, Toyota and BMW in particular, are putting uh, dash cams in their vehicles. So uh, very cool thing. I think. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, uh, from a performance perspective, um, Chevrolet, you know, with the Camaro and the Corvette, uh, they offered an, uh, a built-in camera mainly for people for, you know, recording their lapping sessions. So um, it becoming a factory uh, option is, is a coming thing, I think. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Next, we're going to have yeah. various angles from the yeah. all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, they looked at the Super Bowl commercials. We probably all saw the Super Bowl commercials. I, one thing that I found interesting about Super Bowl was that there were only four car company commercials out of all those commercials that we saw. And uh, you mentioned off air that you liked the couch potato commercial. Yeah. I, did, I did too. What was it for? Do you remember? I do not. Do you remember that? What? Yeah. <laughs> I remember the couch potatoes. I don't remember. Yeah. What they were advertising. But there were four car commercials. They were from import brands, BMW, Toyota, Volkswagen, and Kia. And, of course, we're going to be interviewing uh, Russell Wager of Kia a little later in the show. But uh, I think, you know, uh, there were some winners and losers. I guess the BMW maybe moved the needle the least uh, among uh, people who 
then went online and, and tried to check things out. Edmunds tracks this each year. Edmunds, the website, mm -hmm. tracks what happens with their traffic after uh, a Super Bowl commercial airs. So um, BMW's traffic rose 18%. That's a good thing. I, you know, uh, they're spending multi-millions of dollars to get that to happen, but uh, then it went up. There were, and that was, I think, Christopher Walken was the yes kind yeah. of the, the subject matter of that. Uh, Toyota had a thing about its 2024 Tacoma, which I must have missed. I might have been getting a sandwich or something like that, but. Uh, they got a 34 increase in terms of site share, so that's even better. Good thing there. And then Volkswagen had uh, kind of a nostalgic commercial, which is close to my heart. I like that about the, uh, you know, Volkswagen through the years. I think this is something like the 50th mm -hmm. or 60th year uh, of Volkswagen in the United States, and culminating in showing the new ID Buzz electric van, which I'm excited about. Should be cool. This kind of went through the roof comparatively. Their increase was uh, over 5,000 times <laughs> what they had. So, um, And uh, just their page visits increased 189%. So that, that was a big winner. And then there was the one uh, uh, kind of the tug at your heartstrings right. one from Kia. Yeah. Uh, about uh, the ice skater who, you know, whose apparent grand, I guess it was his grandfather, I think you're supposed to yeah. assume grandfather, couldn't show up and then did show, uh, they brought the, the girl to the skating rink and to the grandfather. And uh, so that had a 229% increase. So pretty big stuff, I think. Uh, they probably did well. Uh, any, any particular favorite out of those four for you? Um, I, you know, the EV9 was kind of uh, touching. Um, I, the, I thought the Volkswagen 75th anniversary one could have been better. You know, they did something with the concept one when it came out that, you know, almost brought tears to your eyes. And this one seemed a little flat. I don't know, for some reason, I, you know, that part of the thing is they, they, they focused on their broad product line. It was something we had seen before, you know, they didn't really break any new ground. But the fact they got s such a big bump uh, doesn't say so much about the Super Bowl <laughs> more than it says about how invisible Volkswagen is in this market these days. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it um, really is kind of frightening how invisible they are. Yeah, so. and and on the on the Christopher Walken one, I mean, I think I think the funny ones where where they outshine, I think they outshine the product. So I don't, you know. Um, yeah, it was kind of an interesting year. You know, um, the big missing one was Stellantis. And, you know, they've done things like the Paul Harvey ad with the Ram. They've done some Jeep stuff, things like that. And uh, those were like two minute long. I think the Volkswagen one was also two minute long productions. Um, I think those were very well done and, and, and did move the needle in a, in a legitimate way. Yeah. Well, maybe a little less so this time around. I, I guess maybe uh, yeah. Kia was an overall winner here, and uh, so you have to yeah. give them a lot of credit for that. And very, very cool stuff. Well, when we, when we come back, we will be talking about a couple road test cars, the Mazda CX-90 uh, with its new power plant. Matt DiLorenzo was driving that, and I was driving the uh, Volvo V90. we got a couple 90s here. Uh, the Volvo <laughs> V90 cross-country, a station wagon. And you know how auto journalists love station wagons. So stay with us for both of those road tests, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. 
Welcome back to America on the Road with Matt DiLorenzo. This is Jack Newhead back with you. Uh, Matt is substituting for Chris Teague this week. Uh, I think Chris had a sick kid today and, and couldn't do the show, but we're honored to have Matt DiLorenzo with us. And uh, always honored that you listen to America on the Road. We appreciate that. And if you like America on the Road, please pass it along to uh, somebody you think might like the show. We, we'd love that. Uh, that would be terrific for us. And Matt, you were driving a very interesting vehicle from uh, a brand fairly close to my heart since I used to work for Mazda 30 years ago, something like that. Uh, tell us about the CX-90. Well, the CX-90 is a full-size three-row SUV that replaces the CX-9 in the lineup. Um, it is a plug-in hybrid. They have an inline four, and it's attached to uh, an electric motor and a battery pack. And it puts out an amazing 323 horsepower, which is plenty of power for a vehicle its size. Um, it's it's very comfortable. It has you know an upscale interior that we've come to expect from Mazda. The exterior has very smart, very classic styling, a uh, little bolder look than some of the previous ones. And I think that that's been kind of the direction a lot of these SUVs have been going is uh, to have a little bit more presence on the street. A couple of things about the uh, the drivetrain, though. It's powerful, which means even when it's acting as like a regular hybrid, it, it isn't all that fuel efficient. I'm seeing, you know, in the low 20 mile an hour or 20 mile per gallon range on fuel economy. I think the real value in the plug-in part is being able to plug it in and getting that uh, 30 or so miles of pure electric operation. And if you're able to do that consistently, you're going to make fewer trips to the gas station. So this would be a vehicle where, you know, I would heartily encourage the owners to plug in regularly and use as an electric regularly in order to get the real benefit uh, out of the added cost of the hybrid system. I mean, that's really always the question about a plug-in hybrid, right? I mean, Will people plug them in? Do they plug them in? Or is that kind of inconvenient? I mean, what's your take on that? You, you know, it can be inconvenient. But if you're paying that, you know, I've there are a lot of, of fellow you know, travelers in the, who like EVs and things like that. And they've really been dissing plug-in hybrids. And they're kind of saying, oh, they're compliance vehicles because they do get, you know, they do get better credits for the manufacturers. Uh, people aren't going to plug them in. People aren't stupid. If I can figure out a way, and especially if you can plug it in on 110 to where you don't need to change any electrical outlets in your house, then why not plug it in overnight? It'll take six hours. You're going you're gonna to pay a lot less for the electricity there and a lot less for any electricity that you use at a public charging station. And you're going to avoid paying, you know, three, four bucks a gallon for gas. So I don't buy that argument that people who have plug-in hybrids uh, ignore plugging them in. I, I think if they can, they will. And once you get in the habit of doing it and figuring out that I don't have to go to the gas station, then um, all all the more better. And you, you look at surveys and stuff and public awareness and interest in plug-in hybrids is up and manufacturers are looking at uh, making more of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of maybe interrupted your train of thought on CX-90, though. Oh, well, no, the other thing is the interior. I really like the interior. One of the things, though, uh, it has a really nice 12.3-inch center screen that's not a touchscreen, and I complain about touchscreens a lot, 
but their rotary knob uh, arrangement at, it takes a little bit of mastery. It isn't like something you can jump in and intuitively uh, use. I think their controls, they do have a lot of redundant buttons for things like the climate controls and things like that. But I wish, I wish their rotary control menus were a little bit better organized and easier to more intuitive to use. Yeah, I've had that experience too. Although I was in uh, Mazda three, I think I might have uh, uh, reviewed it on last week's show. Where suddenly I don't know it was an epiphany or what. I, I suddenly was able to use <laughs> that rotary controller, and it seemed like I was bang right. bang bang getting it to. So maybe yeah. something clicked in my mind. Maybe in that particular vehicle, it's just simpler menus or who knows what. But it seemed to work better than in the past. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things as you get used to it and you learn some of the features, um, you know, once you own the vehicle, it's probably second nature. So a vehicle you liked, I mean, the knock-on CX-9 was always, it was a little small for, uh, smaller than the competition. What's your take on the CX-90? Yeah, I think they solved it. It's, it's definitely bigger. It's not as big as, say, a Telluride or a Palisade, but it's pretty close. Uh, the back seat is really comfortable. And like most three-row, you know, uh, SUVs in its class, a third row can be a little bit of a challenge to get back to, and kind of for smaller people. Uh, but overall, um, it, it really is uh, a pretty good entry. It comes in; it's can be pricey. You know, I, I think the entry level, uh, you, the one that I'm driving is over fifty thousand um, dollars. But that's what these things cost these days. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing what what cars cost these days, right? Well, I was driving a car that uh, I think probably every car journalist has somewhat of an affinity for, and that is the Volvo V90 Cross Country. Um, it's a station wagon. It kind of maybe is posing as a, a bit of an SUV or kind of an SUV alternative, but it's essentially a station wagon. It's kind of the uh, station wagon version of the S90 sedan, and I think it's terrific. I mean... We love station wagons. I, I've had station wagons uh, through the years, uh, starting with the, the AMC Hornet Sportabout wagon that I had when I was about 22 or 23 years old. It's a five-passenger vehicle, plenty of cargo space, 34 cubic uh, feet of luggage space when you're using the rear seat. It's comfortable as a sedan, comfortable as a luxury sedan, plenty of rear seat room. Uh, so this is a vehicle that I like a lot. Um, not really an off-roader. Uh, it's got a little more ground clearance, but really that helps you in snow and inclement weather uh, more than uh, any kind of off-roading you would do. But who cares about that, really? I mean, uh, this is a car that you can have a lot of fun on, on the highway with. And it has a really interesting powertrain, too. It starts at about $61,000. So here's a luxury vehicle that kind of undercuts a lot of the European-built competition. What's your overall take on the V90, just you know, from the 35,000-foot level? I like it a lot, and I think the station wagon as a vehicle type will never go away because there are, I mean, journalists love them, but there is <laughs> a group of, of people who, that it's a niche, and there are only a couple manufacturers who play to that niche. Subaru, one of them. Volvo's another. You, you can get a few wagons from some of the German automakers from time to time. But, um, you know, it's useful. It's not big and imposing like an SUV. It's very comfortable, but it offers you uh, the same uh, level of flexibility and cargo ca carrying capability of any two-row two SUV out there. 
And I think there's something to be said from sitting a little bit lower and 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 driving it more like a regular vehicle and parking it and just in daily use. Um, I think it's a terrific vehicle. Yeah, I think fun to drive is, is something that yeah. it really has versus uh, an SUV of about similar cost. I had the Ultimate Trim, about $66,000, 20-inch wheels, uh, adjustable front seats that are power adjustable. They're ventilated, even massaging, so all of that stuff. You can get a Bowers and Wilkins sound system for $3,200. They actually have two premium sound systems. You can wow. uh, get a Harman Kardon sound system, which is included in the Ultimate, but then you can throw another $3,200 at it and get a Bowers and Wilkins sound system, which will blow everybody's doors off uh, from the inside of the car. This has the B6 powertrain, which is a two-liter four-cylinder engine, turbocharged and supercharged. These days, the supercharger is electrically driven rather than driven from the, the motor itself, from the engine, which saves power. It's a good thing. Kind of getting free power there. Eight-speed automatic transmission. Torquey, I think, would say, they actually, Volvo was very brave, I think, in putting a new powertrain in that actually has fewer horsepower, less horsepower than the one it had <laughs> before. How often do you see that? Right. But it has more torque and a much better torque curve. So I... In terms of overall drivability, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, and if you get a boost in fuel economy, that's that's a plus. You know, the V90 Cross Country also, I think that it has a little bit of body cladding on it. It's It's got kind of pretensions to being like a little SUV. I don't know if they still do it, but they you could order a straight-up V90 wagon. You couldn't find them in stock, but you could order them. And um, it, it did go to the absolute, you know, wagon purist right but there's still enough of that that station wagon appearance and appeal and stylishness i think uh works for them yeah i think they toned down the cladding a little bit on this one it's kind of uh cutting the difference between the the station wagon and the the full-on suv outback style subaru style with mm -hmm. a bunch of cladding on it and stuff i think it's a handsome vehicle uh very useful fun to drive uh, I think it's well-priced versus the competition. I, I just think it's a big winner. I, I like the V90 Cross Country a lot, and I, I think you like the uh, CX-90 quite a bit, too. And uh, when we come back, and we promise to come back, we're going to come back, and we hope you come back with us. Uh, we're going to have an interview with Russell Wager, who's Vice President of Marketing of Kia America, just honored as Media Post Automotive Marketer of the Year. So I don't think he was wearing a crown when I interviewed him. I know for a fact he wasn't, but I think he'll enjoy our conversation. So stay with us for that, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Hi, this is Jackie Rad, host of America on the Road. I'd like to tell you about my latest book, Dance in the Dark. It's a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many people have told me it is the perfect follow-up to Fatal Photographs, my true crime account of the notorious Hollywood bathing suit model murder case. In Dance in the Dark, Jason Griffiths is a rock and roll drummer turned computer programmer who fears for his life, but he doesn't know why. After living a quiet life for years, suddenly his girlfriend leaves him, he meets the most beautiful woman he has ever seen, and within days he's wanted for the murder of a drug cartel enforcer, a murder he didn't commit. The cops think he did it, though, and so does the boss of the cartel. So he's stuck between the law and the mob with nowhere to turn. The only person who might be able to help him is the new woman in his life. But will his stunning new companion be an asset or an enemy? And can he escape the desperate situation he's trapped in? Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and as a Kindle ebook at Amazon. 
and at E.M. Lancey Publishers. Right now, it's at a special low price that will save you five bucks. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. Welcome back, everybody. It's your American Auto. Jack and Red back with you. We're behind the scenes at the Chicago Auto Show with Russell Wager of Kia. Thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate it. You've guessed it on the show before. Uh, and you just have an embarrassment of riches here. You had the, the biggest news of the, of the show today. Tell our listeners about that. Well, thank you again for having me on your show. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we have a, a very successful vehicle in the Car- Kia Carnival MPV. And today we said that the 2025 version is going to come out with a hybrid powertrain option in addition to the gas option. So choices for customers. Yeah, very, very cool. I mean, you kind of carved out a, a section of that minivan segment that a lot of people thought was dead, not dead at all. You've made it a very profitable kind of great thing for Kia. Tell us how you did that. Yeah, so we call it the Carnival MPV. So, and the reason for that is, you know, people are looking for three rows to go out and do their, their weekend adventures, camping, what have you. The Carnival MPV can tow 3,500 pounds. Uh, the Carnival MPV looks like our other SUVs of our Telluride and Sorento. We've literally had people come in looking to buy um, either a Telluride or a Sorento and walk out with a Carnival MPV because they're like, it's got three rows. It can tow what I need. It's got space for my camping gear. Why not? Yeah. That's, I think, been part of the they success. They are such versatile vehicles, and you know, the way you have spec this out is very versatile. I, I guess the differentiating factor is sliding uh, you know, rear doors, right? Which are really useful in parking lots, really useful for, for kids, for carpooling, all of that kind of stuff. Kind of makes sense, but you've given it this SUV kind of profile and ethos to it. Uh, Tell us how, uh, why you did that. You know, part of it was, um, as you pointed out, the minivan segment definitely was declining, right? And and we had aspirations to, to sell a lot of carnivals, and doing it just to that segment wasn't going to help meet our expectations. So we needed to look at another audience. And the other audience is the large SUV audience, right? There are many people out there, families, that are looking for three rows. This has three rows. They, they just don't want to be pigeonholed into, oh, it's a minivan. So... This is not, it doesn't look like a minivan, it doesn't act like the minivan, and, and again, most people are telling us, I, I bought the Kia Carnival MPV, they are putting the MPV on the end of it as well. So I think that's been the success. Yeah. And let's talk about the hybrid powertrain, that's cool stuff. Give us the lowdown on that. Yeah, so, so again, when we uh, first launched the, the Carnival a few years back, we knew immediately that we needed to try to bring some other more fuel-efficient powertrain to it. Um, so we immediately started going to work. We brought the, the hybrid, um, it's got 32 MPG, it has no sacrifice in power, as a matter of fact, it has more um, horsepower and torque than all of the other gas engines in the segment. So you no trade-offs, you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, what I've seen of a lot of hybrids these days is they have pretty much instantaneous torque, you can smooth gear changes, great acceleration off the line, if you step on it, boom, instant torque. I mean. The drivability is really terrific, isn't it? Yeah, and part of our success is that we put turbo hybrids. That gives that instant torque, that gives that performance. So again, it's it's not a trade-off by getting a hybrid engine that you're sacrificing power and performance. You get both. So when is the Carnival MPV coming to market? It will be out this summer, probably mid to late summer, uh, and we're looking forward to selling it all across the country. Yeah. Give us some sense of price range and, and where the hybrid will be in that. So uh, we're not ready to announce pricing yet, 
Um, usually our hybrids are a little bit more of a premium over our gas engines. We can tell you that part. Um, but other than that, uh, we're doing our best to try to make it the best value with our packaging and our pricing when we do announce it. Mm -hmm. How many trim levels? Uh, we've got five trim, trim levels. I think a very lush upper level trim with a great second row, I would imagine, huh? Yeah, I mean, we've got relaxation seats in the, in the middle seats that if somebody wants to put their feet up, um, beautiful. We've got a rear entertainment system with over a 14-inch uh, screen for the passengers in the back. Um, we've got a lot of great safety features as well, um, a new heads-up display. Uh, so a lot of tech elements, including our digital key 2.0 for if you forget your key, you can unlock it with your phone or your smartwatch. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I think maybe the last time we talked, or one of the last times we talked, we talked about the Kia EV9 concept. Now, uh, a lot of water under that bridge, right? Uh, not only has it been introduced, very successful in the marketplace, but also won North American Utility of the Year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, Give our listeners the, the sense of what that means to your organization. Sure, so EV9 went on sale, as you said, um, in December. We sold 1,000 units in December, we sold 1,400 units um, in January, and that's just the beginning because we've been trying to fulfill um, the thousands of reservations that we took on this vehicle. And we took reservations across the country in all 50 states. This is not a car that's gonna sell on the coasts, this is a car that's gonna sell everywhere. So initially, we're trying to fulfill those reservations. Um, we're getting ready to put it in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I, I say that we're getting ready to put it in the Super Bowl. It's more of an EV9, uh, less of an EV9 ad, and more of a commitment to electrification. You don't put a Super Bowl ad to sell, it's, it's not a minimum volume, but it's not a 100,000 unit car right. in the Super Bowl. You do it to say that we are committed to the electrified space we have choices. If you're thinking about getting an EV, think about getting a Kia. Yeah. Well, I think the Telluride was transformative on your conventional vehicle side. Maybe the EV9 is equally transformative on the electric vehicle side. I mean, as one of the first, certainly the most affordable three-row SUVs out there with battery electric power. I mean, that sets you apart, doesn't it? It, it does. And by the way, it's a real three row. So you and I can sit in the back of the third row, not be cramped. We could go uh, drive for, for a couple of hours, not have any issue. So it's a real three row. That's what people are looking for. Um, it also does everything that an SUV, you want an SUV to do. Off-road, all-wheel drive, tow 5,000 pounds, um, over 300 mile range. It, it does what you need an SUV to do, and it happens to be electric. That's, I think, the secret um, to the success so far of this vehicle. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things, you've given me a lot of you know, positive you know, bullet points about the thing, but what's uh, maybe your favorite? You probably had some experience with the EV9 now. What do you like most about it on a day-to-day -day basis? You know what, the, the biggest thing is you're sitting at a traffic light, you've got some sort of sports car next to you, and you know that you can take it, right? They don't know you can take it. You're the big bulky SUV, and every once in a while, you have a little fun on a Saturday, and you let them have it, and the next thing you know, they have no idea what just happened to them. And then you go back to driving the normal way, um, and you're still having a great time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we talked, when this vehicle was a concept, we all thought it was stunning. Uh, I think there were some people who went, maybe it's too stunning, or maybe it's too out there. It, it turns out that it, it isn't too out there, right? I mean, talk a bit about styling and how that's been received. You know, I think people are expecting when they get an electrified vehicle that it should be sort of technologically advanced, both um, internally as well as visually externally. And I think this puts that there. It's not so far out, 
into space, so to speak. Um, but it's far enough, it's like, okay, I've got a sophisticated, technologically advanced vehicle, looks good, it's gonna fit my image, I'm good with it. And, and then we've had a lot of people, we still don't have enough awareness of it, it's just gone on sale, that's why I'm doing the Super Bowl ad, um, to make 100 million people aware of it. But more importantly, when people see it, they're like, wow, that looks stunning. And that's what we're hoping for. Yeah. And you've got more EVs to come. I mean, you've shown some other concepts that are probably going to be production vehicles here pretty soon. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. So uh, just this past month um, at CES in Las Vegas, we had our um, EV3 and EV4 on display. Um, those were concept vehicles. Our history has been when we show a concept vehicle, we usually bring it to market. Um, we've not confirmed that, but um, those were two examples of trying to bring electric vehicles that are a little bit more affordable so that we can get more people into the electrified space. Um, we had tons of people very interested. One uh, a, a SUV-ish, one was a, a sedan-ish. Um, both were getting lots of looks. Um, so we're excited for what we've committed to, which is in 2027, to bring seven electrified vehicles. We've got three in the marketplace. We kind of showed what two could look like. There's five. We're all in on electrification. Yeah. I mean, it seems that the market up to now, with probably with the exception of Kia, really, uh, we've seen some pretty good acceptance of electric vehicles in the luxury side of the business, in the premium side of the business. They can, may, maybe those buyers can stand the premium price, and there's probably a narrower gap between uh, electric and non-electric on the premium side than there is in the mass market side. You seem to have, be able to um, put affordable vehicles into the marketplace. Number one, is that important? And number two, how are you able to do it? You know, I think the, the big thing that we've all seen is um, it's still a price-sensitive area when you get to electrified vehicles. They're, they're not the exact same price as a gas, uh, yet the scale isn't there. But um, the government subsidy of the $7,500 was helping. That, <laughs> unfortunately, for a lot of people went away. That's okay. Um, we found a way to um, help for those that lease our vehicles, they can get the $7,500. So we have over 50% of our sales um, for EVs that are leased, which is great. Um, but in the meantime, the others, they're, they're still trying to figure it out. and we'll, we'll get there. We're about to bring EV9 production to the U.S. Um, this summer. Uh, and once that happens and the batteries are there, then we'll get that. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think that's going to help people, as you say, the, the non-luxury buyers, the, the, the more mass. Um, that's what our goal is. It's, it, is. EVs shouldn't just be for the, the premium, um, high income. It should be for everybody that wants that choice. Right. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much for being with us, Russell Walker of uh, Kia. Thanks. We appreciate it. Thank Always you great for having to talk me. to you. Thank you for having me. And stay with us. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with guest host Matt Lorenzo. This is Jack Nierad back with you. And we're so glad you're with us. It's listener question time. But before we get to listener questions, I want to tap into uh, Matt's expertise on electric vehicles. You have a, a recent book out, recently revised uh, book on buying an affordable electric vehicle. Tell us about it. It's called How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, a Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership. And if you know, you're looking to go electric, but not you know, overspend. There are a lot of really expensive EVs out there. This is a book for you. It'll it'll talk about some of the uh, more affordable vehicles out on the market. Um, that's one of the reasons I updated the book for 2024. There's a couple of new models coming um, in the under $40,000 price range, like the 
uh, Volvo EX30 and the uh, Chevrolet Equinox EV. So uh, there's information there about that. But I also touch on changes in the tax laws to where you can get the $7,500 federal tax credit uh, at the dealership or why it's actually to your advantage to lease over buying an EV at this point in time. And things even on charging. You know, there's a thing about the Tesla NACS uh, plugs being adopted by some manufacturers. I tell you who's going to get them and who won't, and uh, what you need to do to cope with public charging. You can find it at Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or come to my website, tightwadgarage.com to order. Yeah, you should go there. You should look for that book. It is terrific. If you're even considering buying an electric car, uh, it's a great investment. Uh, certainly an affordable electric car is is the way to go here, and uh, <laughs> they're kind of hard to find. So uh, Matt is a terrific guide into that. And... Uh, we have a question that uh, taps into your expertise too, Matt. Uh, this is from Larry in Denton, Texas. This is what he says. I have heard that cold weather hurts the range of electric vehicles. Why is that? The cold doesn't affect the range of regular vehicles. So why does that happen in an electric vehicle? Well, it's all about chemistry. You know, uh, the, the lithium ion batteries that we use in, in, in uh, electric cars these days is a semi-liquid electrolyte it doesn't like cold weather. It's just like you when you get up in the morning on a cold day. You're not moving that quickly. And the same thing happens to that. You know, the electrolytes, uh, it, it, gets, it produces less energy, so that means uh, less range. Um, and there are other factors, too, like uh, cabin heating. You know, a lot of these uh, EVs use resistance heaters, which are more inefficient than a, than a gas car. And uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of load on the batteries, and the batteries uh, just aren't going to produce as much output, and you don't go as far. Yeah, and it's a, a pretty significant too, isn't it? I mean, it could be as much as thirty percent, or you know, maybe even a little more than that. And uh, that's <laughs> it's a big difference, right? I mean, if suddenly you have you're kind of on the edge of range anyway. Let's say you have two hundred miles of range, uh, and then you drop that by thirty percent. I mean. <laughs> That's, that's a big difference, isn't it? It does. And, and that's one of the other things is a lot of battery experts say the battery works best between 20 and 80% charge. They don't want you really to charge it to 100% all the time. So if you have an 80% charge, you're giving up mileage on that end. If you're not supposed to let it go below 20%, you're giving up mileage on that end. And then all of a sudden it gets really cold out and you're giving up mileage there. Range becomes a real serious issue. And that's why I recommend that if you do live in a colder climate, and you have a choice between two EVs, and typically the shorter range one might be three, four, five thousand dollars less. You might be better off spending that extra money to get that extra 50, 60 miles of range because in the winter you you might need that uh, safety, you know, that buffer in there to actually be able to use your car. Yeah, I mean another issue of the cold is it makes charging take longer, right? And uh, it's, it's more difficult to charge an electric vehicle in, in very low temperatures to the extent that maybe you need to heat up the battery before you can even start charging, right? Right. And I think that that's the other thing. Um, you need to have a, a, a garage and you need to be able to plug it in overnight, especially in, in really, really cold climates, uh, you know, uh, back in the snow belt. Uh, here's a question from Stanley in Berwyn, Illinois. Somebody told me recently that auto shows are becoming a thing of the past. Is that true? If so, why is that? What's your take on that, Matt? Well, we were just at Chicago last week, and 
it gives the appearance that they are a thing of the past because a lot of manufacturers are skipping them. You know, Stellantis just pulled out of the Chicago show. A lot of the European manufacturers from Volvo, Mercedes, Audi, they don't come to shows anymore. But I think that that's, that's a misperception. I think consumer, if you realize that the shows themselves are primarily for the consumers, they are invaluable to the shopping process because it's the one place you can come and see a lot of different makes, a lot of different models under roof with their competition and in a no or low pressure environment to, to decide, well, yeah, I want to look about, you know, I may want to go to a dealership next week and see more test drive this vehicle. I, I will tell you the other thing though, is that the fact that the manufacturers are pulling out of these shows and they have more floor space, there is a greater opportunity to actually experience either in a test ride or in some cases a test drive at an auto show than ever in the past. So I think they're still a terrific place uh, for the consumer to go. Maybe it'll come around again. I mean, we see styles come around, right? And right. I think uh, a lot of car companies are being very short-sighted by uh, skipping auto shows. I think that's where a lot of us have fallen in love. I fell in love with the car industry a right. long, long time ago uh, by going to uh, a, an auto show in, in Chicago, actually, uh, where I grew up. And um, I think exciting the 15 year old kid or the you know 12 10 to 12 year old kid about cars is important for the industry it's important to, that people be excited about cars not just buying transportation but buying something that they think is cool that they think expresses their lifestyle it is them so i think it's a major mistake by a lot of car companies to skip auto shows and i think as you say they're a great place to shop for a car uh, shop for a vehicle uh, with no no pressure at all. So, you know, I give a lot of credit. I haven't gone to the Chicago show last week to the organizers of that particular show. Um, they could have just kind of rolled over into the fetal position and said, <laughs> you know, but and because Stellantis pulled out almost like at the last minute, like last December, early January, they announced that they were going to do shows this year. Um, but walking around the show floor, they came up with a bunch of interesting, uh, you know, like uh, exotic cars. Um, there was a, a, a car museum in the city of Chicago that brought a bunch of really interesting kind of wacky cars. Yeah. And there's enough there. That, the like, military had a bunch of military vehicles there that yeah. I thought were very cool, right? I thought that's brilliant. If you're going to kind of recruit. You say, hey, how would you like to drive this ATV for the Marines, you know, or the Army? I, I, I think that's brilliant. And I think there was enough of that there that that um, can can reach across a lot of different generations and give them a reason, especially a cold winter day. Go on down to the McCormick place and go look at something interesting and have a great afternoon out. And, and maybe you'll get a better idea what kind of car you want to buy when spring rolls around. Yeah. I mean, it's really inexpensive entertainment for the entire family. I think uh, they're terrific. And I think we're going to see a resurgence. Maybe maybe the Chicago Auto Show was, uh, this current one was uh, as, um, you know, maybe uh, not as exciting as, as they're ever going right. to be. And I think they'll get better from this point on. Uh, it's kind of interesting to note that Detroit had tried to do different things. At first, they were going to try and have the show in May. Then they finally started doing it in September and they were going to have big outdoor displays. And 
when the weather is nice, they're competing with a lot of different every everything from you know college right. football to golf to whatever, and they're going back to January. And you know everybody's saying, well, this show isn't going to succeed because they're going up against CES. Well, CES is not a car show; it's a trade show. And if the industry wants to go there to talk to the press and talk to themselves, that's fine. But I think the Detroit show will do just fine with the yeah. public. Yeah. The, I'm excited by that. And as North American Car of the Year guys, both on the jury, we're excited that we're going to announce the new North American Car of the Year for 2025 at that uh, Detroit show. At that venue. And I, I'm so happy it's back because I think uh, I think uh, everything is back in place in the, uh, in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, remind our listeners again how they can get your book, How to Buy an Affordable Electric Car, A Tightwad's Guide to EV Ownership. They can either go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com or my uh, website, TightwadGarage.com, and uh, order either. It's available both e-book and paperback formats. And if you want to look uh, for a book in a completely different subject matter, uh, look at Dance in the Dark, a crime thriller inspired by true crime, my most recent book. That's available on Amazon as both a paperback and an e-book. And if you like America on the Road, please pass it on to somebody else who you think would like it. We're, of course, available on many radio stations across the country. We're happy that we're on this radio station, uh, part of the SportsMap Radio Network. And um, most of all, we're very beholden to you for having listened to America on the Road today. We, we do appreciate that. Join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. Inner peace, self-respect, emotional fulfillment. Are you finding these worthwhile goals difficult to achieve? Are you looking for success and satisfaction in your job but not finding it? Are you thinking about starting a business but don't know what will set it apart from all the others? You can continue to struggle on your own or you can unleash the undeniable power of the GR factor. I'm Jack Arnie Red, host of America on the Road. For years, I've found success in business and in my personal life by using the concepts I outline clearly in my book, the GR Factor. Your best self is inside you right now, just waiting to be unleashed. Inspiring all that is the best in you, the GR Factor will guide your journey, elevate your game, recast your relationships, and transform your daily life. If you want to change your life for the better, read The GR Factor. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at emlancy.com. That's The GR Factor by Jack Arney Red. Thanks for checking it out. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.